Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your guest host, David Knight from Exposit the Word, standing in for Dwayne. Different host, same show, same top, top guests. So let's get to it because I am super excited to be coming through your speakers, your earbuds, wherever you're listening to the bar. And we are grateful that you are listening and we love to start the show off by thanking you, the listeners, for tuning in and supporting the show. And just like we do every Tuesday, we bring you another awesome guest. And this one is no different. Hello and welcome, Thomas Davis. Hello. Thanks for having me with you, David. Oh, thank you, Thomas. Thomas, tell us everything that we need to know about you in 60 seconds. Uh, okay, so um, uh, my name's Thomas Davis. Uh, I'm 40 years old. Uh, I'm married to Yuna. We have three children, Tom, John and Annie. I am a minister in the Free Church of Scotland in Carloway on the Isle of Lewis, which is way up in the northwest of Scotland. Um, and I'm six foot four, so I'm very tall. So there's a there's a fascinating fact. <laughs> very good. So you make a very good goalkeeper, Thomas. Oh, well, maybe once upon a time, kind of getting old and slow now, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the reason why we're speaking today is you've just written this brilliant brand new book god is god and you are you finding confidence for sharing our faith tell us all about that thomas yeah it's um it's a book uh that's really all about evangelism but um it's maybe slightly different to to the kind of books that we would normally read on evangelism so often when i've read books about sharing my faith it's it's been very much about you know how to do it and those kind of books are really really helpful i've read read several over the years that have been been brilliant um my book's trying to do something maybe just slightly different rather than talking about the how of evangelism it's actually trying to give some of the theological truths that tell us why we can do it and so it's really kind of give that foundational um basis to to give us confidence so that we can then go out and share our faith yeah that's a key word isn't it when it comes to evangelism confidence yeah. in preparing to write this book what are some of the main reasons you found for people lacking confidence when it comes to evangelism i think one of the things that i've I found uh, in people and in myself uh, is that that it's so easy to think that when it comes to sharing our faith that it's it really is the kind of um it's the kind of thing that 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 only a select few are good at. So you think, yeah, you know, that you can think of people who are really good at sharing their faith. It seems to be easy. It doesn't matter who they talk to. It just it just kind of seems to be effortless for them. And then you look at yourself and you think, I'm not like that. And I think that's definitely how I feel. And I think that that's how the majority of Christians feel. That that you know, it's it's just the work of the select few. And I guess what I'm trying to do in this book is to show that that's not the case, that actually God, God can use us all. Um, and really, you know, we, we, we don't need to change. We don't need to have a personality transplant. We don't need to automatically become, um, you know, a Tim Keller or a John Piper or a Rico Tice. Um, you know, these guys are actually just normal guys as well, like the rest of us. And God can use us all, you know. Yeah, that's one of the encouragements that you offer in the book is by reminding the reader of how God throughout history has chosen to use weak, flawed people. Tell us about that, Thomas. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to remember. You know, um, so often when we when we think of like the big names from history that that God has used, you know, whether that's, um, you know, uh, people in the Bible, like like Abraham, Moses, the Apostle Paul, Timothy, whether that's people in the history of the church, like um, uh Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, or some of the uh, some of the great missionaries uh, that we've seen over the years, 
when you actually, you know, when you think of these people, you can think, oh man, these people are just heroes and they're incredible. But yeah. when you actually look at their lives, you discover that they had a lot of frailties and weaknesses. Um, very often they, they they struggled with poor health. Um, uh, John Calvin's a great example of that. Not a very robust man in terms of health at all. Um, yeah. And, you know, lots of people, you know, didn't, didn't really have, you know, obvious abilities. Gladys Aylward's a great example. You know, she was did a wonderful mission at uh, work as a missionary, but yet was kind of seen as, you know, not, you know, initially not seen as capable at all. So I think it's really important to recognize that, 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 that God, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't pick the superstars. He just uses, That's right. uses yeah. ordinary people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do you still get nervous and what tips do you have for anyone that does, Thomas? So I definitely get nervous. Uh, I I think of you know of, of all the different aspects of my Christian life. Um, sharing my faith is the one that I feel like I'm 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 not good at, um, and I, I get frustrated uh, by that. And you know you do get nervous. You get nervous uh, that you're going to say the wrong thing. You get nervous that um, you you know you might uh, spoil a friendship with somebody. You, you get nervous that you might actually just do more to put them off. And I think that the 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 biggest tip. I would give, um, and that's this is really what the, the whole book is trying to do, is to say that actually the, 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 the antidote to all of that is to remember our theology and to actually really take our theology into that conversation, thinking, yeah. you know, I find myself thinking, okay, I want to go, I and mean, even today, I, I want to go to somebody uh, in our village and I want to invite them to church. And I'm nervous about doing that. And I'm thinking, oh man, what if I stuff it up? What if it doesn't go well? What is, and what I need to do is to, to stop thinking about Thomas and to think, right, God is with me as I do this. And God wants to use me and he's able to use me. And the minute I start thinking like that, I can feel the nerves actually just, just disintegrate. And, and you feel an excitement and you're like, right, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go and do this. <laughs> yes. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, we've got to remember our theology and apply it to this situation. Yeah, yeah, excellent. How important is prayer when it comes to evangelism? I mean, prayer is just absolutely central, and I think that that's something that you know is is a um, again, it's 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 something that we we know, but it, it has to be more than just something that we know. It has to be something that we actually take uh, take seriously, and that we we recognise, you know, as we want to share our faith, we want we want that to 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 be we want prayer to be step one, uh, and we want it to be you know, the step that the part of every step and we want it to be the last step. And I think that's one thing that I would say it's really important that that's not just as individuals, that's something that we can really uh, share with our church family um, yes, and to, to yes, actually yes. Be, be saying to one another, OK, you know, I've been talking a lot to my to my colleague or to my friend or to my family member. Please pray, please. Uh, let's please saturate this in prayer um, while I go and, and ask him. And I just think that prayer, um, prayer gives God the chance to show us how amazing he is. And I think that's that's something that we've got to remember. Yeah, I think one thing I've noticed many times when praying with regards to evangelism is is that we can forget that Jesus came to save sinners. And sometimes I can, even myself, I fall into the trap of thinking that I'm somehow trying to twist God's arm to do something that He doesn't actually want to do, right? As if I'm, you know, exactly. more gracious exactly. than God. It's dangerous, yeah. isn't it, Thomas? Yeah, exactly. It is. It absolutely is. It is dangerous, definitely. I think that's. Uh, prayer is just brilliant because it just brings our focus back onto God, which is, is what we need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
You start off the book by reminding the reader of four awesome truths about God and what that means for us in regards to sharing our faith. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, the the so was in many ways one of the passages that inspired the book is um Exodus three and four, um, where God appears to Moses uh, in the burning bush, and you know the great, I mean the the great theological truth that's revealed there is God saying, "I am who I am," and that really is that that's like this that is that is step one, page one of all systematic theology. God is who He is. And yes. and he reveals himself to us. And so he's, you know, God's coming to accomplish his purposes. And and yet he's using Moses, who is completely unprepared and unready. And yet that's the person he's going to use. And and in that passage, you see these four amazing truths being uh, revealed about God. The fact that, that God is sovereign. So, you know, he is he is the one who's in control, even though the Israelites are under the oppression of Pharaoh. God is actually the one who's in control, not Pharaoh. God's the one who takes the initiative. It's not Moses who starts anything. He's just having a normal day looking after the sheep. Um, and it's God who takes the initiative. You see God's power, you know, the bush itself, you know, you see it burning, but it's not consumed. That that inexhaustible power of God. And you see the fact that God's compassionate and, you know, he's heard the cry of the Israelites. He's not forgotten his covenant with Abraham and he's going to act to help them. And so you've got these amazing theological truths you know, that God is sovereign, that God takes the initiative, that God is powerful, that God's compassionate. And what I'm trying to say in the chapter is, is we need to take all of those truths and all the other truths that God, that the Bible reveals, we need to take all of those truths into our conversations for evangelism. We think, okay, God is sovereign. Uh, he is the one who's in control as I go and, and try to talk to someone or as I send them a text. He's the one who's taking initiative. He's actually ahead of me. He's not behind me. He's ahead of me in this. He is powerful. Can you know if I want to text somebody and invite them to church? I want to talk to someone about the, the gospel. Can God open their eyes? Of course he can. Of course he can. You know, and 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 actually, most importantly of all, God God cares about that person even more than we do, and and His compassion is 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 just at the heart of that good news that we want to share with them. Yeah, so helpful. I, I think when we realise that we bring so little to the actual party when it comes to evangelism it's really helpful isn't it i mean i know yeah. you preach as well thomas and i'm sure you've had the experience as well where you, you know you, you've preached a sermon you know what you've said and someone will come up to you after and say oh i really like that bit where you said and i'll, I'll reference something you you didn't even say or didn't even go near <laughs> yeah, the, the holy yeah. spirit works within yeah. people Absolutely. i fully manuscript my sermon so i know what i say you know word for word yeah. and yet people yeah. come up and, and and you just see the holy spirit ministering to people where they are right sometimes Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's where, yeah, that's where it's just so, so encouraging to remember that that we're just instruments in his hands, which is. Yeah. Yeah. You spoke about bringing our theology into evangelism and obviously a key part of that that you've touched on is God's sovereignty. How does God's sovereignty impact how we should view evangelism and what is a ditch that people can fall into when applying this incorrectly? Yeah, I think that's a massive question because this this is a ditch. Um, uh, sometimes it's even maybe bigger than a ditch. It can be like an absolute canyon that people can't get past. But, you know, people think, okay, God is God is sovereign. God is the one who takes the initiative, and actually, it's all of grace. You know, that's our great reformed Augustinian theology, all of that. But yet, people can take that and say, okay, God's sovereign. God takes the initiative. I just have to wait till He does it. There's not really anything I can do. And and the result can be this kind of passive approach to evangelism, whereby we we almost think, well, 
what can we do? We can't do anything without God, the Holy Spirit. We, you know, our efforts aren't going to. We can't convert anybody. We can't open anybody's eyes. We need God to do it. And and I've I've come across that so many times um, among people in in my own church setting. Uh, and I think it's a it's a stumbling block that that, that loads of people can fall into. Um, and I think that you know it's it's a you know, at one level, you think, okay, it's it's good that people recognize that God is sovereign and that we can't do anything about the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. But it's actually a kind of very, um, it's a very distorted or imbalanced view of God's sovereignty because, um, you know, you're only taking one tiny aspect of God's sovereignty. You're saying, okay, God's sovereign, he's in control. But what we forget is that if God is sovereign, he's in charge, which means if he asks us to do something, we do it. And right. I think that that is crucial. And there's a great quote from a, a theologian. Your listeners may have never heard of him, but a fellow called William Cunningham, who was a big, big theologian in Scotland in the middle of the 19th century. He uh, he has a wonderful quote that I'd love to just, uh, to just read out. Uh, he said, the sole ground or warrant for men's act in offering pardon and salvation to their fellow men. In other words, the, the, the sole ground for going out with the gospel, the sole ground for offering pardon and salvation to their fellow man is the authority and command of God in his word. Mm. We have no other warrant than this. We need no other, and we should seek or desire none. And I just think that's brilliant. It's like, look, God is saying do it. Just shut up and do it <laughs> it's just a great a great you know? yeah. i think that that's what yeah. the song dear god it should actually motivate us not 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 make us stop at all yeah yeah it, it, it's a lack of obedience it's, it's the equivalent of um noah turning around saying well you're going to save us from the flood anyway so i'm not going to bother making the ark right yeah exactly 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 yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. And, and and you see that balance all the way through scripture I remember uh hearing a great um uh Tim Keller sermon where he he said you know when the fire fell at the top of Mount Carmen uh, with Elijah it didn't fall on mud it fell on an altar that he'd built you know and I thought that's, yes. thought that's yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah, that's true, true. So, yeah very good really good very good in our postmodern world many people we speak to on the streets appear to be uninterested in the claim that the Bible is infallible and God's word why must we fight for this truth and what are the, the uh, you know some tips in in doing so Thomas yeah, that can be that can be a big, big challenge today, and and in so many ways, you know, we we face a kind of well, what in some ways, in lots of ways, feels like like a unique set of challenges in terms of uh, our culture. I think um, one of the things that we we have to actually recognise um, is that you know, although we do have this postmodern world where you know the kind of you know the philosophical description of the world would be that people don't like the idea of absolute truth. People don't like, um, you know, a meta-narrative, a big explanation for everything. Everyone's just their own individual truth, their own individual yes. story. I think one of the most important things we need to recognise is that people don't actually think that. And they don't actually believe that. Like, you you look at, you know, you look at all the scandal with um, the parties at Downing Street during COVID lockdown. Nobody, nobody says, you know, oh, well, they can have their interpretation of the rules and we can have ours. We can each have right. nobody right. said that. Everybody said, what happened? What is the truth? And and actually, you know, it's a reminder that people actually crave truth. Um, and I think that we need to actually, uh, you know, 
recognize that 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 we've actually we're offering something that people are craving and maybe sometimes we've made the mistake of of you know thinking we've seen that postmodern mindset as a threat and we think okay we need to defend ourselves from that and we can be quite confrontational in the way that we do that what i think we need to recognize is that that postmodern mindset is is a thirst that only the gospel can quench that, that it's a search for answers, it's a search for truth, it's a search for some kind of meaning. And people are looking in themselves to find it, which is the wrong place to look and it will never satisfy them. And to recognize, actually, we, we have got the only thing that will quench that thirst. Uh, and so if we can we can show, explain and live out the gospel um, in the lives of these people, they are, they are going to see, wow, we, we our thirst has been quenched in a way that theirs just isn't. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. How important is it that we keep our evangelism gospel focused and what are some mistakes that people can make when they don't? Yeah, there's probably lots that we can say here. And I guess a few things that can that can come to mind. Um, you know, focusing on the gospel is just absolutely, absolutely crucial. And I think that you know, there's a, a few things, you know, when you think about the word gospel to, to, to bring in mind. Maybe I'll maybe I'll say three things briefly. Um, I think the one uh, first thing is that, you know, gospel means good news. Um, that's that's what it means, and I think that when we share the gospel with people, we we absolutely want to make sure that people are coming away with good news. Um, and sometimes we can think with our evangelism that actually, no, no, we need people to realise, you know, we, we can almost kind of we want to kind of hit them with with a uh, with with the reality of sin and 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 judgment. And yes, we do need to do that, but we need to do that in the context of good news. And um, sometimes the gospel can presented can be presented in a way that only sounds and feels like bad news. And that's not yeah. effective in evangelism. It's also so important to remember that that that, that the, the good news of the gospel is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And and I think that I've made this mistake so many times where I've tried to talk about Jesus. And all I've actually done is talk about stuff that's related to Jesus, whether that's sort of maybe church or, uh, or something vaguely connected to theology or something. And I, I mentioned that in the book, you know, that all of that is, you know, it's, we, we think it's talking about Jesus, but it's not actually talking about Jesus. And I've I've made that mistake, you know, where, um, you know, sometimes we've we, we, we've uh, you know we've lost that focus on Jesus. And maybe the third thing is that sometimes, like, um, yeah, sometimes we're maybe guilty of, um, you know, wanting in our evangelism actually to boost maybe our own church more than just the the church of christ and it's like maybe like i, I want i want my congregation to grow i want i want and 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 i mean sometimes and i've done this myself and i am ashamed of this that you hear you hear of growth in other churches and you're like oh hmm, okay right and it's like come on you know like that so i think that you know that kind of um again that's a lack of gospel focus that that becomes my my church focus yeah. my and that that again is the wrong, the wrong place to to put an emphasis. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I think another risk I've I've seen sometimes is churches can become so busy with things under the banner of evangelism, you know, cake sales and jumble sales and mm, all yeah. sorts of sales and coffee mornings, but actually, theology, the Bible, yeah. Jesus never Jesus. actually gets mentioned from one month to the next, exactly. right? Exactly. That is that's so true. Yeah, yeah. We are talking about Jesus isn't actually about Jesus, and that and that's what you know. We we definitely want to just keep keep coming back to Him. That's what we need to do. Yeah, yeah. How should thinking of eternity fuel our evangelism? I think that's a 
this is a really important thing to think about, and it's one that I neglect so often. And, and there's a there's a chapter in the book about about that. And one of the things that I I had never noticed, but was was pointed pointed out to me, um, I think when I was uh, at seminary, is that if you look at if you read uh, Paul's letters, he barely goes a page or a paragraph without mentioning something connected to eternity, something connected to the last day. And and you you just see this kind of relentless concern in Paul for for the last day and everything that he's doing on this day is connected to that last day, and that perspective you know you can you can see once you see it once it's once it was pointed out to me it was like oh my goodness this is everywhere I can see it you know I can right. see it again and again and again, and then I look at my own life and I think well okay you know uh, you know how often do I think about eschatology and and the answer is oh well occasionally you know and, and that's not. That, that's not the way it should be, that actually the reality of eternity, the reality of the last day should be in my mind every single week. Uh, I was For three years, I was I was working in Edinburgh uh, as an assistant minister, and the, the, the minister I was alongside was Derek Lamont um, in his congregation, St. Columbus Free Church in Edinburgh. And one of, the, one of the phrases Derek was always using was, time is short, time is short, time is short. And I thought it was, I've never forgotten that. It was so helpful yeah. um, to just recognize, look, this is an opportunity and we have to have to take it. And I think that again can sometimes, you know, be, that can be the energy that, that, that can uh, overcome the, the, the fear of, you know, what a moment might bring when we talk to somebody. And you know, sometimes you can, you know, again, I'm hoping to go and see a guy this afternoon and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm a bit nervous about this. How will it go? If I stop and yeah. think about eternity, even for 10 seconds, I'm like, I'm getting in the car. I'm going. Yeah. yeah. So good. So good. You've got a, a, another helpful chapter in the book talking about grace. Explain to us what grace is and why it's so important that we understand this important aspect of the gospel. Yeah, grace is, is is really like it's at the heart of of, of the gospel. And um, you know, the, the word grace basically means gift. And I think that that's a really helpful starting point. It's basically talking about a gift. And one of the things that I try to to unpack in that um uh, that chapter is the fact that you know when we talk about a gift, like a grace as a gift, we're talking about a gift that's completely undeserved. But when you think about a gift, there's 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 two aspects to that. There's what the gift involves for the receiver, and there's what the gift involves for the giver. And in the gospel, you just see this incredible um, contrast between you know, uh, a gift that costs God, the Father, his Son, and yet for us, it costs nothing. It's given yeah. freely, and we just come in faith. And, and you know, you just have this, this amazing balance between the magnitude of God's generosity uh, and uh, the incredible blessings that we receive um, that, that just aren't deserved. And I think that that, you know, is, is so important um, as we share the gospel and a couple of things I tried to say in that chapter that, you know, we we evangelize because of grace. You know, so we're, we're going out with the gospel because God's grace is a reality. And, you know, I can I can look at my window. I can see houses with all sorts of different people from all sorts of different backgrounds. And the gospel can be offered to all of them because God is willing to be gracious to all of them. Doesn't matter what they've done or not yeah. done in their lives. So because of that, we can go out, knock on any door, any background, any anything and yeah. say, you know, this is this this is an amazing gift for you. I think it's also really important, though, as well, that we evangelize with grace. You know, so so we meet somebody. They might be, you know, they might they might have a very checkered past. They might um, 
It might be easy to talk to, they might be hard to talk to. They might show an interest and they might stop. It might be very kind of frustrating. It might be a long haul. Um, and we can, you know, we can maybe easily be tempted to sort of say, you know, well, they don't deserve for us to carry on, you know, trying to reach them. And it's like, well, <laughs> the minute you start saying they don't deserve, you've departed right. from this, you know, so it's yeah. so important to remember. Yeah. 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 But let's talk about those difficult people because I think this is one of the big contributors as to why people can lack confidence sometimes when going out. How do you deal with difficult questions? Yeah, I think difficult questions is one of the big fears we have, isn't it? You know that we think that okay, we're gonna we're gonna face um, we're gonna talk about the gospel, we're gonna we're gonna face difficult questions. I think there's um, two or three things I think I'd, I'd say. Um, one is just a more general point that I think is important for us all to remember. Um, it's definitely been my experience that that as I've learned more about theology, I have felt better equipped to face questions. And I think that that's a really just a, just as a general point, it's really important in terms of our discipleship that you know just learning more about theology, growing in our knowledge, you know, reading good books, spending time with people who can help teach us. That's just a that's just a positive, helpful thing to do that will build your confidence with 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 dealing with difficult questions. And um, uh, having said that, in the kind of actual moment of a difficult question, I think there's just there's two or three things that are really important to remember. One is it's absolutely okay to say I don't know or I'm not sure, and that is just massive. You, you've got to remember to be able to say that. You know that you just say actually I I don't know, and uh, and and that it's really important to remember that. You know, when you do that, the person's not going to say, "Oh, well, they're useless." The person's going to, I think, after people will find that endearing and be like, "Oh, well, okay, fair enough." Um, I think it's also really wise to say, "Okay, I'm not sure, but I, I could, I could find out a bit more, and we could talk about it again, or I could ask someone at church who I think will be able to help us with that." So you can, you can actually, you can almost kind of build the next opportunity for the next conversation right. through that to say, "Well, let's let's look at that again." Um. But I would also say one other thing to really to, to remember is that, you know, if you ask a difficult question, uh, it's always good to actually say say to them, um, what do you think? And so you could say, well, I'm, I'm not sure. It could be this, could be that. What do you think? And then try and get their perspective, because you know that that will maybe give you an insight into to, to where, you know, where they sit in terms of, you know, some of their big beliefs, uh, what kind of what ways in which they're maybe uh close to the gospel or far away from the gospel or confused or whatever um you'll never be afraid to sort of just just ask them for their opinion as well yeah yeah that's helpful thank you and what about particularly difficult people when you're speaking to someone and it doesn't feel like you're making any progress naturally they're actually just being difficult almost on purpose how, how do you try and deal with those thomas again you know that can be that can be that can be tricky um i think that you know it's it probably the the, the thing that comes to my mind there is that you know, it's it's important not to kind of fight fire with fire, you know, and I think that, you know, sometimes if, if somebody is being deliberately difficult um, or deliberately argumentative, um, it's not likely to be helpful if you just entered into a kind of a ding dong argument about about something, you know, there's 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 no, you know, there's no real point in, in doing that. Um, you know, I often think, you know, like, um, so I, you know, you sometimes you sometimes see people, you know, who uh, sometimes see like maybe people who will go door to door from uh, other perspectives, like a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, 
like no no matter what they say to me i am not going to listen to them like i'm just I'm not going to i'm not going to believe what they believe i'm just not going to do that you know and and i think that you know we could ding dong all day you know and it's just not going to get anywhere and i think it's it's important you know that we 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 don't just you know get into those fights don't take that bait often you know people would um, i should say i'm not trying to say that that Mormons and Jehovah's are difficult people. I'm just trying to say that 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 the argument the argument approach is, is not always helpful. I think the thing about about difficult people is that you know actually uh, if you look at the example of Jesus, you know he did he did two brilliant things. One, he he spent time with them, and he just got to know them and built a relationship with them. I think that's crucial. Um, but he was also ready to ask people questions, and I think that's important. That sometimes. Difficult people, you're better actually presenting them with questions rather than trying to force answers down their throat. Yeah, 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 good. In speaking with other evangelists over the years, I don't think my experience is uncommon. Often the most difficult people to talk to on the streets are people that already claim to be Christians. Is this your experience? And if so, why do you think this is? Yeah, I think I can I can definitely echo that. I can remember um I can remember a, a, a time when um, I was living in a town in, in Scotland called Kirkcaldy and you know we'd meet some people who, who who weren't Christians at all and in a way it was quite easy to sort of invite them to church and say you know would you come uh, but then you would meet people who, who who did go to church regularly but you know it was it was a church where I'm not sure if the gospel would have been preached and that's much harder because you're like oh yeah how, how do I you know how do I approach this and again I think that you know I think that in that 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 situation, you know, I mean, I, I don't in any way want to kind of dismiss what God can do. God can do anything. But a conversation on the street in a moment with someone in that position, I think, is unlikely to ever get anywhere. I think what 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 that person needs is 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 a friendship and to get to know them. And it's going to take them time to see that actually the 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 place that Jesus has in your life is different to what he has in, in their lives and i think that i think those situations are probably going to be a longer a longer game um but again you know like god's uh you know i think god expects us to be ready to to play the long game in terms of uh yeah. working with people yeah, yeah. In many ways, we were forced to, over lockdown, embrace technology. I think we've all become experts on how to use Zoom, haven't we? <laughs> how have yes. you guys embraced technology to help share the gospel, Thomas? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, Zoom Zoom was amazing in terms of, of, of building uh, uh, opportunities and, and forcing us to, to, to do stuff. As a church, you know, we've 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 uh, we had to do that. Uh, and it's been been a really helpful thing. But for me, um, my kind of enthusiasm for technology probably um uh predated covid so um uh before i became a minister i i, I loved uh i was an engineer and i love i always think in terms of diagrams all that kind of stuff and um you actually yeah. see there's a couple of diagrams in the book um i had to restrain myself i would put diagrams on every page if i would have been able to uh, and you know technology is a great means for for doing that so um uh, one of the things that i find really helpful in our own church services is um uh, we've got a setup where I've got a touchscreen laptop on my lectern that I can draw on that that then gets displayed on the screen behind me. So you know, I find it really helpful if you're looking at a passage. You can you can I can circle keywords, show people where connections are, and things like that. So so in our church service, 
that that level of technology is really good. Um, then you know, obviously, the 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 use use of kind of live streaming and stuff like that has been a really positive thing as well. I mean, we're 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 in a tiny village in Carlow in the Isle of Lewis, and yet yet we've got people li listening, you know, tuning into our services um, all across the UK. Somebody from India, people uh, in South America. I mean, that's amazing. So 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 the doors that that's sort of opened are incredible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure there'll be people listening that will have shared the gospel with a friend or family member before, which got rejected. What advice would you have for that person that wants to try again? I think it's it's really, um, really, really important uh, to, uh, you know, just to remember that it doesn't all have to happen in one conversation. I think that that is, um, uh, I think that's an easy mistake to make, to think that we need to, we, we need to take people from, um, being unregenerate to being fully committed disciples in the course of a, a 10 minute conversation that doesn't matter that <laughs> virtually never happens and I think it's so so important for us to remember that that you know our conversation is just is just one one step in in a, in a process um I mean we can't be sure because we know we're not told explicitly in scripture but I think of Nicodemus you know who who, who I think by the end of John's gospel, looks the indication to me is that that he was a follower of Jesus and um, that seems to have been a gradual process and even even the conversation where Jesus said the words of John 3 16 mm. wasn't enough to, to 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 change Nicodemus in that moment it was just part of the way in which God was working in his heart and and I think that that's a really important thing to remember that you know your your, your conversation might have felt like it hadn't gone well um, you know, you might have thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't, didn't say everything I wanted to say. I mean, one thing you've got to remember: you will always think of the thing you wished you said half an hour later. I'll come off this interview, and in half an hour, I'll be thinking, Oh, I wish I had said this. You know, that's always what happens. And, um, but you know, but God is able to just use use that in yeah. in amazing ways. And I think back to my own conversion; it wasn't one conversation; it was a hundred. And yeah. I think almost all the people who who God used in my own journey to faith they probably have no idea just how important they were in terms of, of, of taking into faith. And, uh, and I think you've, you've definitely got to remember that um, uh, and just, 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 yeah, just keep, keep going with that reality in your, in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Some people think that evangelism is only successful when we see people repent and believe, but tell us why that's not really a helpful metric to, to measure evangelism. Yeah, this is something that uh, that you know, in 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 uh, thinking about the book and in, in in looking at this over the years, that I, I had never really thought of myself, and I was actually really helped by um uh, by reading a book by Rico Tice called Honest Evangelism, and um I, I mentioned that in the book where he he talks about witnessing, and he was saying, you know, we think that the goal of 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 witnessing is conversion, you know, that that you know, if if someone doesn't come to faith, I've failed, and he said the goal of witnessing is not conversion the goal of witnessing is witnessing that's right. your job to right. be a witness and for me that was just a massive light bulb light bulb moment because i realized actually yeah that that is that's what i need to do because the rest is god's work and again i knew that from my theology but i left my theology behind when i tried to talk about my my faith and i thought oh it all depends on me and of course it doesn't you know and i i think that's what's what's so crucial you know, if you take the parable of the sower as an example, you know, four different uh, types of soil um, 
only one actually bears fruit. So if you have four gospel conversations, chances are three of them will be bad. <laughs> three of them yeah. won't go very well. <laughs> you know, maybe one of them will. You know, and I, I mean, yeah. it's not as precise as that in terms of proportion, but I think it's just helpful to be reminded of that. Actually, you know, you might have four conversations with a person, the same person. You might come away from three of them thinking, ah, oh, didn't go as well as I wanted to. But then the fourth, it, it might be like, oh, but that one was good. And just to, rem- to for that to be our expectation, uh, I think if we have the wrong expectations, then we're, we're on the path to, 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 to nowhere from the very beginning. If we think, okay, right, I'm going to psych myself up for this conversation. I'm going to play about it. And it's got to go well. That's the wrong expectation. Just, yeah. I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to say what I want to say. And I'm going to leave the rest to God. That's what yeah. we do. Yeah, so good. And I think that's where the risk of then cherry picking parts of a gospel as to I want to make this sound as attractive as possible. And I'm not going to mention sin or hell and just mention, you know, yeah, the exactly. benefits of being in Christ. And it, it can become dangerous, can't it? It, uh, it absolutely can. You know, and I think I think that's that again is, is, is you know, that's putting ourselves above God where, where we think, OK, I, I need to kind of uh, I need to filter out what I think is 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 suitable. And, you know, again, that that that's a kind of failure to recognize just what what God can use and and I think that's the amazing thing that God's word like God's spirit and God's word will pierce their heart and 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 he will decide what what's going to pierce their heart and it and it might be you know it might be the message of just how incredible God's love is it might be the message of how massive eternity is it might be the message that that says you know the sin is actually is more serious than anything else and yeah. Yeah. you know and we just need to present the whole counsel of God and let him decide what he's going to use That's to right. pierce that person's heart. Yeah, yeah, so good. So good. What are some tips for equipping the whole of the church family in evangelism? I think one of the things that I would really want to say uh, in regard to this is, is, is I guess, what I'm, one of the key things that I'm trying to get at uh, in the book when you know, the title is God is God and you are you. And that you are you part of it is is really trying to emphasize that that God uses the the massive diversity of people that we have in a church family, and and that's that's I suppose maybe the big corrective that I'm trying to offer in the book to sort of rather than thinking okay you know yeah you've got the really good youth worker or you've got the really good um you know elder who's who's just great at talking to people okay let's let let them do the evangelism you know because because the rest of us aren't aren't like that no I don't think that's the case I mean yes they, they may have a particular gift in evangelism fantastic and, and God will use them in really powerful ways but he'll still use us as well you know and yeah. and he'll use us as we are and I would I would really want a, you know the whole church family to realize okay I can I can take the thing that I'm good at and I can I can use that as a channel for evangelism so that's one thing I would definitely say I think the other thing that I would really want to sort of encourage in a church family is is not to have an individualistic approach to evangelism and I think sometimes that can be the the thing that we have is like okay right I must have my conversation I must invite my person I must do this like we're doing that together let's let's pray for one another let's encourage one another let's hear how it's going you know yeah. one of the things that I think is a massive help is if we're going to our bible study group in the middle of the week or if we're we're, we're talking after church on Sunday you know, if you're talking to three Christian friends and saying, you know what, I've got a colleague, I'd love to ask them to church. If you've got another three Christians around you saying, yes, go for it. We'll pray for you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. That encouragement is just a, you know, a real help in terms of yeah, uh, so true. what we what we can do. So the whole church can really be a powerhouse of support and of opportunity for the work of evangelism. Yeah, brilliant. 
What a fascinating conversation, Tom. It's really enjoyed it so far. We're about to take a very quick break and then we'll be back to ask you the free signature bar questions. So, Thomas, as you know, every single guest that comes onto the bar gets asked these three very important questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> so, question one. What kind of music do you listen to? Okay, I've got a quite a varied taste in music, um, but I would say uh, my single favourite uh, band that I listen to is a band called Runrig. Now, you might not have heard of Runrig. Um, they're a Scottish band. They had a career of about 40 years from 1973, um, 45 years, I think, 1973 through to 2018. Um, so they're a Celtic rock band and they are outstanding. So if you have not heard of Runrig, get on Spotify, search Runrig and and discover your new favourite band. So I, I I love Runrig. Alongside that, love love a variety of things. I quite I used I play the guitar, so I quite like rock music. Uh, I like um I like you know various uh various guys like um Shane and Shane, Big Daddy Weave, Third Day, things like that. I like all that. Love uh love kind of some of your kind of classic kind of eighties nineties rock. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what some of my players, Huey Lewis and the News. I love them. Things like that. Just, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's where you spread Basically, yourself anything, very well. Yeah, yeah, anything that's never played on Radio One. That's probably what I like. <laughs> yeah. You've done a good job of making sure you don't offend anybody by by mentioning almost every genre of music there. <laughs> so it's well done. Yeah, apart from modern stuff, it's a uh, yeah, that yeah, like ten yeah. years I'm hopeless with. So, yeah. I don't think anyone likes that. If I'm honest. <laughs> next signature bar question what book or books are you currently reading okay so i have a bad habit of reading three or four books at once uh so yeah. um so i do i mean I don't, I don't want to sound like a kind of theology nerd but i do just love reading theology books um uh one of my favorite uh sets of books is um a, a set called two thousand years of christ's power by uh nick needham uh he was, yeah, yeah. he was church history professor at Highland Theological College for many years. And this is a five volume book all about church history. His fifth volume just came out earlier this year. It's all about the 18th century. Uh, brilliant. I love it. It's just it's so easy to read and it's a fantastic insight into um, uh, into the history of the church. So, you know, it's a, it's a great starting point for, for church history. I've also been um, working my way through uh, biblical critical theory by Christopher Watkin. That's been really interesting. So that's a that's a kind of that's a big thick one. I don't usually read books that thick. I'm just slowly working my way through that and uh, enjoying that. It's a it's a great you know it's just it's walking through the whole of scripture. You know just in in terms of you know the uh, just going through the big big biblical theology um, redemptive history storyline, but a- yeah. applying you know key things to the cultural setting that we're in today. So I like that. Uh, and um, a friend of mine has co-written a book uh, on neo-Calvinism, uh, and so I bought that book. It's, it's called Neo-Calvinism and Introductions by Cory Brock and uh, Grace Sutanto, um, and that's talking about the theology of Herman Bavink and Abraham Kuyper uh, in the Netherlands in the late 19th, early 20th century. Uh, and yeah, I find that that's that's really interesting. It's it's, it's something that I, I want to learn more about. And so. Uh, I quite like that. So um, they're probably three. I'm probably not always that heavy in terms of what I'm reading, but that's what I'm reading. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and all, all, all good. Yeah, very good. And, and what about yourself? Are you planning on um, writing any more books? Tell us. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to. I would, would love to to to, to write a, a, another uh, another book or two. I I recently complete, completed some postgraduate studies, so I'm hoping that that 
might uh, might result in a book um, in the next year or two. And um, the the book I published, God is God and You Are You, was with Christian focus. I'd I'd, I'd love to do something with them again in the next uh, in the next couple of years, if possible. Yeah. Very good. Well, when we're going to be listening to this podcast, so hopefully that will plant a seed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last signature bar question: What podcast or sermons do you listen to, if any? Okay, so I give I guess two or three I'd love to highlight here. First one's not a not actually a podcast, but in terms of online sermons, uh, one person who I've listened to over the years who I've benefited from immensely is Eric Alexander. So Eric Alexander was a minister in Glasgow, um, and just amazing preacher amazing preacher and uh he just died earlier than this year earlier this year and he was um just yeah amazing and so uh ericalexander.co.uk you can get his sermons on there so i've listened to him a lot uh over the years and uh benefited immensely from from him uh other podcasts uh i enjoy um i enjoy listening to alistair Begg. enjoy listening to tim keller um i Enjoy listening. There's a co- podcast called Grace in Common podcast, which again is um, uh, the guy who wrote the Neo Calvinism book. Uh, the, the two guys who wrote that they're both on that, along with a couple of other colleagues. Um, so that's uh, that's one I enjoy as well. And uh, outside theology, uh, uh, a friend of mine does a podcast called Hollywood Sources, which is all about politics in Scotland. Uh, and certainly at the moment, politics in Scotland is a bit bonkers. And so it's a really it's a fantastic podcast, and uh, uh, I really enjoy. Uh, listening to that for a couple of weeks we were all cheering we thought that politics was about to get a lot better in Ah, scotland right i know i know we were uh we were hopeful but yeah i mean it's it's been a really fascinating time so yeah it's been really yeah yeah well thomas thank you so much really enjoyed speaking to you before we let you go uh, please do take a moment to let us know your closing thoughts also let people know how they can keep in touch with you on social media great thanks well in terms of in terms of social media i'm not i'm not a massive a social media user myself but um i do actually do a podcast with a friend of mine uh, andy longway who's a minister in london uh and we we have a podcast called uh the jesus today podcast and so uh you can you can connect with us through twitter it's jesus today pod uh and you can follow us that way and 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 connect with us through through that and uh you can listen to the podcast if you want to as well it's a uh, uh the aim of it is to to just uh think through some of the kind of current issues and challenges we face today as we want to follow Jesus. So we'd, uh, uh, we started that earlier in the year and we've been encouraged with how it's going. Um, I think my, my, my closing thoughts, just more more widely, um, I mean, I know that this probably sounds like a kind of a, uh, I don't want this to sound like a simplistic piece of advice, but I really, really want people to remember that God is God and that you are you. And, mm. you know, as you seek to share your faith, just, just bask in the fact that God is God. He is God. He is able. He is amazing. And he works through people just like you. You don't have to have this massive personality transplant. You don't have to become amazing at this, that, and the next thing, because God is God. He's able and willing and ready to use incredibly ordinary people. So please, please, please never forget, God is God and you are you. Brilliant. Well, that's a brilliant note to finish on. We're going to make sure that wherever you're listening or watching this interview, that there'll be a link to the um, to the book and also to Thomas's podcast as well. So do check that out wherever you're listening or watching. Thomas, thanks again for your time. Really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you so much, David. It's been a pleasure. 
And to the bar listeners, thank you again for tuning in. And make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you can get the show every single Tuesday. And just like today, we have some top, top guests coming up that you do not want to miss out on. And remember to check out the Bar Podcast website where you can listen to Dwayne's huge archive of interviews, which will keep you nice and busy. Until next time, to laugh for now.